Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Well, I can tell you right now, this stream is off. Wow, that looks horrible. It's choppy, right? Stream is choppy as hell. So we are originating this show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling from cleveland ohio it's the barbecue capital of the north coast the rock and roll hall of fame city the nba capital of the universe other teams are running around making moves at a frantic pace we're giving away players right now della vadova beat it mozgov get the f out don't want you don't need you we're just biding our time, ready to make some key moves to ensure championships will repeat next year. Here's what's happening on the show, and didn't, in case you didn't get the newsletter a little bit later, in about 10 minutes from now, the normal first Tuesday of the month guest, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, will join us. That's right. And at 9.35, a somewhat regular guest, the creator of the World Food Championships, He's also uh, instrumental in securing the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour year after year with the KCBS. 
the president and CEO of MMA Creative, and again, the creator of the World Food Championships, Mike McLeod, joins us at 9.35. Then we'll move into the second hour, where we will find, man, two weeks in a row, I get to say it and mean it, legend. Man, and it has been a hot minute since I've sat down and discussed just the world of barbecue with this guy. And legend, not only in the cooking sense, but in the uh, cooker sense. Cooking cooker, like building cookers. The guy that created the FEC line of cookers, Ed Fast Eddie Marin, joining me at 1014. Yeah, this is... It's funny, everybody's commenting on the new background that I have in the video. Gone is the decorative wood paneling in the basement. I uh, upgraded the basement wood to weathered barn look. You know, it's a little, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The weathered barn look. It's, it's a hot look. It's retro. It's coming together. If you've never seen the show on video, get it after the fact. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it. On Facebook, we're streaming directly to Facebook right now. Greeting Facebook viewers, welcome to the show. I'm sure Kathleen Cioli is watching right now via Facebook, hoping that I'm going to be talking about rubbing meat, injecting butts, whole packers, all of this kind of whatnot. She's a crazy softball mom, but we love her. Kathleen, if you're watching, thank you for watching. If not, where are you? Why aren't you watching? Come on. So that's your lineup. If you want to jump in, I'm more than happy to host your phone call or read your email. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Uh, let everybody know the show is on. Send them to outdoorcookingchannel.com. Send them to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Send them to Facebook. Share it around if you want. You can stream it right on Facebook. Watch me all day long. And Roku, all that good stuff. So... I didn't come right out and say it the last time I cooked ribs, right? But I effed up. Upon further review, I was so excited to try or use again this new ingredient that Heath Riles has over at Victory Lane Barbecue called the Butter Bath and Rub. I completely forgot the fourth step of my process or third step. Of whatever step it was, it very important. Because everybody in the house was like, oh, these taste way different. Now, you know, teetering here and there, you get that every once in a while. But to a, I was going to say to a man, to a woman, to a woman, because that's all there is in my house except for me. They were like, hey, wh what did you do different? It's not, it's way different. I reevaluated. And I said, hey, this 4th of July, I'm up for rib redemption. Did I screw up so bad last time that you, like, you don't even want to bother trying ribs anymore, right? They're like, no, go ahead, give it a whirl. If you screw it up this time, forget it. I was like, okay, I'm going to. So I was going back and trying to figure out what I did last time to make it so unenjoyable. Well, after I took the ribs out of the wrap the last time, I put them right on the plate, cut them, and that was it. I didn't put them back on the smoker for about 35, 40 minutes to re-tighten up, set the sauce, all the good stuff that everybody does. I forgot the last step of the process. 
Forgetting the last step of the process is not good. It makes women very uncomfortable and angry. Well, I learned my lesson. I put them back on the cooker to tighten up. Use the Lang 36-inch to cook the ribs because I love them. Man, and they cook fast as hell in there running at 300 degrees. That thing's moving a lot of air. Three hours tops, and they were absolutely gold. Gold, Danny, gold. So good. But the tightening up process was key into making the taste come back to where everybody remembered it. Everybody remembered all the good flavor and taste and good spot of tenderness. Not fall off the bone type stuff, but... You know, just a nice, very little effort leaving the bite mark. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it was so good. So good. So, rib redemption is mine. Forget you, ribs. You will not conquer me. As a matter of fact, I conquered you. And now I'm going to conquer this reed brought to you by Cook Shack. Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you're a barbecue in the backyard kind of person, maybe you're on the competition circuit, or you're cooking in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks. It's perfect for the one-stop shop as well. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, Two cooking blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video classroom. Check out their website, cookshack.com, or follow them on these social media-type places. Instagrams, the Facebook, the YouTubes, the Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+, just to name a few. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on the world-class barbecue forum. They still have it. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champs because they were designed by champ Ed Fast Eddie Morin, who we'll be talking to later in the show. The FEC 100, the PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker or grill, low and slow or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you cook in an oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. This can be vouched for by not only me, but for my pops as well. He's got the uh, he's got a Cook Shack electric, like the 008 Smokehead or whatever they call it. That thing is a jerky mate. If you love homemade beef jerk, you got to get a Cook Shack residential electric smoker ASAFP. So how do you do it? Passion, dedication drives Cook Shack manufacturing, with quality always being at the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962 and call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. 0698. Or again, visit the website cookshack.com. That's cookshack.com. All right, we're back with Ray Lampy for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. I'll be doing a lot of the asking this time around. One thing to review, one thing to inquire about. Your questions as well. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around, we'll be right back.
Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Welcome back to 16-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. This segment brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash. Eternal bragging rights if you win the whole thing. This weekend, the Sam's Club Tour is rolling into one of my favorite cities on the face of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, Indianapolis, Indiana. It's a local qualifier. To keep up with the Sam's Tour results, see where the next event will be, or who knows what else. Visit kcbs.us. That's kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Stick around for this. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. All right, Ray Lampy is here, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Razor, what's up? Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Oh, that's really hot. Wow. Okay. Oh, you're in a barn. I, I had to change it up a bit. Here we are. I got my nice. pitchfork in the back. Yeah. So a um, couple different places we're going to be running to here, Ray. And when we were talking last, I can't believe it's already been a month since we talked the last time. We were talking about how you were getting ready to kind of gear up and head over to grill stock in England and literally you're probably just like fresh off the plane back from grill stock. So you were very excited about going. You had been going since the beginning. You had seen the brainchild get born and evolve here over the last handful of years. So where does this grill stock rank amongst all of the other grill stocks to be had so far? I, you know, I think it's a tie between just about all of them at, at number one kick ass. It's just such a good time. But in fairness, right, all the elements are in place now, and there's not a lot of surprises. They change up the music a lot. They move things around a little bit. There's a couple of new teams. But, it, but you know, now it's kind of found its groove, so it's not all that different. But that's what makes it so comfortable. We had flawless judging, flawless scoring. The teams all know the routine. Um, it, it, it just now everybody can really have fun because it's very comfortable. All right, so set the scene for us, Ray. If we've never been over there, if we've never seen it on social media or whatever, tell us what happens during the course of the weekend and the events that are there and kind of all that good stuff. Well, for me, the part of the fun is where it is. It's at this really cool harbor side situation there in, you know, a very British-looking kind of place, older buildings and cobblestone parts of it and, and some really cool, like, kind of English-looking boats and stuff there. So it's it's got this whole great feel to it for for us to start out with, and and so down at one end is a big stage. If you look around, you'll see the big stage where the bands are, and it's big time music. I, it's a lot of bands I'm not familiar with, but there was a band there called the Stranglers this time. There was apparently a old school punk rock band that everybody was all excited about. That I, they must have never just made it over to the U.S. much, but. So they have good music all on that end, and then all the way on the other end of the festival, and it's about 10,000 people when it's full, 
is the King of the Grill contest. So we're far enough away from the music. It's really not very annoying. You know, it's part of it. And in between is all the vendors. There's all there's two big bars. There's a cheese toasty, which is a grilled cheese stand. There's a couple of barbecue guys. There's a churro stand. You know, all this stuff. There's a Krispy Kreme donut stand, which is looks very much like an American place. Uh, so it's really kind of it's spread out nicely, and there's these segments of it. Um, but the King of the Grill is just totally different than anything else you've ever seen because the teams interact with the public. It's part of the deal. Uh, we set up the pitches, the tents. Everybody gets about a 10, 12-foot wide area. It's not huge. And there's bicycle rack in front of them, and that's it. They're there to talk to the people. And um, and really, if they don't, they don't. we don't want them back. You know, the same team, they had 100 people entered, and only, there's only room for 29. We They pick and choose the guys we want that are willing to – to do it our way, and it makes for a really good time. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show, drbbq.com, his website. We're kind of recapping the grill stock event he was at this past weekend. So is it like a one-day event, or does it span a weekend? Uh, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Uh, in the past, they had ended a little early on Sunday because of uh, the music, you know, laws of the volume. This year it went till 9 p.m. on Sunday, and then there's a – there's what starts as the sponsor party on Friday, but if you buy a ticket for the whole weekend, you get to come to that, too. That was about 1,000 people. So, yeah, it's a whole weekend. And is it, uh, like, millennials, or is it a good mix of age groups, or, like, what are you seeing as you're scanning the crowd? And I guess what I'm asking is, like, what's the percentage of super hot chicks? Oh, a lot of super hot chicks, <laughs> yes. They're, and Yeah, they're very sexy. The British women are very sexy, and, yeah, that part of it's very fun. Um, yeah, it's a mix of people, for certainly. I would say 30s, 40s. You know, it's not necessarily young people, um, not that young. Millennials would be too young, I think. But 30s, 40s, um, people, are, you know, with enough sense to uh, to know where a good time is and enough money to come and spend it and, you know, have a nice time at the festival. In regards to the King of the Grill competition, you've said in years past that you've really seen barbecue just in Europe really catch up in kind of a hyperspeed to where we're at here in the States. And I would imagine similar things happened again this year absolutely exactly the same uh i saw a little I, I detected a little less blues hog flavor uh i think someone told me that one or two of the teams over there have created sauces now and this is what i figured would happen it would evolve to more of a british flavor than what we're used to they just don't eat things savory things as sweet as we do so i'm not surprised to see that happen so it was a little tangier uh, I don't know what that sauce was. I didn't do my research. I guess if I had poked around a little bit, I could have found out. But but it, although it seems like they've all switched to that then. So so it, it's still very similar kind of food. But the texture, the cuts of the meat is all first class all the way. We didn't see anything. There was one chicken box that had a bunch of loose corn in the bottom. Um, but it wasn't, I don't think it was really intended to be eaten. I think it was just something to do a little bit different presentation. But out of that, you know, other than the four categories, 29 teams, every other box was lettuce or parsley or a combination. And they're allowed to put whatever they want in the box as long as it's edible. But we see nothing except the typical KCBS stuff. But a lot of these teams do go over to Europe to and the continent and compete in the KCBS contests. Um, there are none in England at this time, which kind of disappoints me. But whatever, it's, it's, you know, it's growing in its own way. Um, but they come over here and compete at the American Royal and the Jack Daniels and stuff. So, so they're very in tune with what we're doing, and that's what they want to do. Is there any lack of good quality meat 
to barbecue with there. I know that was a stigma a while back. Uh, have things evolved and kind of caught up over there as well? Absolutely. I don't know where they're getting it. I I, I think they're bringing Western meat in. I, I think it was probably there. They just had to find who had it um, and then get the, the people to bring the right cuts over. They didn't necessarily want the same cuts that we use. Um, but I th- somehow that's all been worked out. I haven't been involved in it, but I can tell you what I see in the boxes and I see as the guys are trimming their meat and stuff, completely different. The ribs is a perfect example. Uh, the ribs look just like they do here. There was some back ribs, mostly spare ribs, meaty as could be though, big meaty ones like we see here. I don't think those are hogs that are grown in Europe. Uh, the first year they all had these little sort of Danish baby back ribs that had no meat on them, all shiners, because there wasn't demand for it. You know, So why leave the meat on the rib bones if there's no demand for it? It was just kind of a byproduct. I think that's the whole change whether it has really at the supermarket and day-to-day eating over there, my guess would be not. These guys have just all found the sources for the stuff. Ray, I think it was last year there was uh, maybe multiple grill stock events, and I think you said last month there was only going to be one, and, and this was it. Did they did they get ahead of themselves a little bit, or they just kind of realized having one big blowout at a central location was better way to go? I, I probably both. Um, you know, I don't get too involved in their business. Um, I know, you know, if they'd have been hugely successful, my guess is we'd be we'd have had five this year. So I, I think it's it was a these guys are also in the restaurant business and they've got a cookbook that came out and food products and and a lot of other things. So it, it, I think it was more of a drain on the company than it was intended to be. I think they'll always have the original one because it's home and and it's it's part of the, what they want their brand to be. You know, it's not just about having restaurants it's grill stock it's a brand and and i think it was just it too took too much of their resources to to have the three festivals we laughed about it because the london one was an insane blowout last year and i <laughs> thanked them for basically having a giant a giant party for us but i you know yeah i don't know that i even not knowing the business end of it i don't think i'd tell them to do that again it just it was too much Ray Lampy joining us here on the show, Dr. Barbecue, for the uh, traditional first Tuesday of the month, Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. All right, Ray, so let's get into this. I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody on this show going, man, not only is the restaurant business on a high level as a whole very dangerous and volatile and all of this other stuff, but then lump into the fact that you put barbecue restaurant on top of that and it almost makes it, you know, it's a little more niche. Now, I understand we're kind of riding that wave of barbecue being everywhere all the time now. And Ray Lampy has teamed up with Dats for a new restaurant in the Tampa Bay area. So Ray's going to be a restaurant owner. Look at you throwing caution to the wind. Well, first things first, let me apologize to the thousands of people I have told not to go in the <laughs> restaurant business. <laughs> Because I don't think it's a good idea at all. Here's the way to do it. Do it with people that are really good at it. And I, I was not looking around for any kind of restaurant partner. You know, I, I not something I wanted to do. As you know, I was involved with the one restaurant in New York and in a similar fashion. We had a lot of fun up there. Um, but I was not looking to get back in the restaurant business. But I got to be honest, I always in the back of my mind thought it would be fun to have something around here in St. Pete where I could go hang out that was mine. And frankly, I, I just uh, I just went and cooked a, a fundraiser with John Marcus. I think I talked to you right before That's or after right. that, I think, yep. didn't I? Right before. And uh, so I was getting calls all from the people in Sarasota right after that. Where can we eat your barbecue? And the answer is, 
You can't unless you cook it yourself. I'll, I'll sell you a cookbook and you can cook it in your backyard. So to eliminate that is kind of nice. So I'm not going to say it wasn't like something that I thought maybe magically would happen. But I have no interest in, in doing it myself. I, I'm not. That's not my thing at all. I don't have any experience in the restaurant business. I've been around them a lot, but this is not something I was looking to do. Um, the Dats people, on the other hand, they're really good at it. They've got three restaurants in Tampa, Dats, Doe, and a, one called Rue. And I like all those restaurants. They're really well run. They're really fun, good restaurants. Um, and I've known these folks for a while. They always would call me every time they heard I had a new cookbook and come over and sign books at their restaurant. They'd buy a stack of them. And just They're just nice people. So I've known them for a while. And they were looking, I don't know if you're familiar with Tampa and St. Pete. I think you are. Yeah, uh, little bit. Tampa's over here on the mainland. The bay is there. And then St. Pete is out by the water. So it's one of those situations where it's a 10-minute ride over the bridge, over this beautiful body of water, and everybody doesn't think they should ever have to take that drive. They stay on their side, and we stay on our side. So the restaurants are all in Tampa, but there's a lot going on in St. Pete. So they had this opportunity. They were like, well, we think we should open some more restaurants now. They say that they're in a real good place, and, and they wanted to open in St. Pete. So they're looking around over here with the potential of opening another Dats. And they said, well, geez, there's not a lot of barbecue restaurants around. Maybe we should have one. And he said, let's call Ray and see if he's interested. And they called me out of the blue. The only reason I'm really doing it is because these people are such nice people and good restaurant people. That's funny. I was just telling somebody uh, after about a half dozen meetings when I told Sandy, I said, you know, my bullshit meter is on zero with these folks. So <laughs> I think this might be a good idea. They're just really nice people. They know how to run restaurants. I'm not going to be doing any hiring and firing um, I'm not going to have to fix the toilet. I'm going to just do what I do. They, they get it. They understand what I bring to the table. Um, I'm to them. I'm marketing. You know, I will be in charge. I'll handle the menu. I'll handle all the recipes. I will walk in that kitchen and taste everything on the table every time I walk in the restaurant. Um, but it, the best thing I can do for them is promote it. So you're going to be quality control. You're going to be making the menu happen. Uh, I mean, are you? Do you have stake in the restaurant as well? I mean, is there a business uh, potential deficit or gain for you to being involved with these guys? Um, yeah, of course there is. I, I'm not. I'm not going too far out on a limb, but but yeah, I'll, I, mean, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for getting paid. Um, I don't want to become like Myron, but uh, but yeah, you can't do something like this. You know, a bunch of money's going to change hands, so I got to get some of it, but. But, yeah, it's pretty simple, though. I'm not – it's not a big – you know, for me, it's not a big, greedy situation. It's really more about the fun of having a restaurant. And we're not sure it's going to be in St. Petersburg. We really got a little ahead of ourselves in announcing it because we've been to Memphis together. We've been to Kansas City together eating in the last couple months. We've eaten in every restaurant around town. We've been looking at real estate together. Somebody's going to figure this out at some point. So we figured we should just announce it on our, our own terms. <clears throat> so we are a little ahead of ourselves. I hope it'll be in St. Pete because that's where I live. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is very cool. This is how influential these folks are. Um, the mayor of Tampa tweeted that he'd love to see, when it came out, it was in the newspaper. Mayor of Tampa said he'd like to see it in Tampa. And the mayor of St. Pete said he'd like to see it in St. Pete. So that made us feel pretty good. Absolutely. You got two mayors pulling for your attention. So it's uh, Suzanne and Roger Perry who are the other half of this uh, situation are going to be kind of doing the business side. Do, the, do you have certain obligations to be at the restaurant a certain amount of time during the week or the month or anything like that? 
Yes, I, I suggested that, and they said they didn't really care about that. And I said, well, no, that's the right way to do it. I'm, I'm very pessimistic about partnerships in general after, you know, 59 years of being alive and a bunch of partnerships along the way, and good ones and bad ones. I'm very pessimistic about it and really careful. I want to write everything down so that when there is a misunderstanding, almost like, do you watch Big Bang Theory? We'll have, like, the roommate agreement right. where... Any misunderstanding, we just go right to the roommate agreement. I, I, I think that'd be a really good idea. Uh, Sandy and I don't have that, but I, I will. So I, I said, you know, we need to put a, a number of hours that I'll be in the restaurant, and they didn't think we should, and I kind of pushed for it, and they came up with a ridiculously low number. So um, I'll probably look to up that number. I mean, I think if you're, if it's me, if, if it's your name that's going to be involved with this, I mean, no disrespect to Suzanne and Roger, being great business people is one thing, but having the name associated with the barbecue and the community and the food and all that stuff, I mean, that's you. So if I'm going there, I want the opportunity to potentially see you. I think the biggest drawback that yeah. Mabel's Barbecue in Cleveland has is that Michael Simon is, like, never around. I mean, I get he's, like, on a whole different level, and he's got the talk show and all this other stuff. But I see his tweets all the time. Are you going to be there? I would love to see you. Are you going to be in the kitchen? And he's always out doing something else. The food's great, no doubt about it. But you don't get to see the guy there. And I think if I'm going to Ray Lampy's restaurant, I want the opportunity to potentially see the guy. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair expectation. That's right. Well, especially if I'm going to say, like you said, well, Michael Simon, unfortunately, and it's really wrong, we've come not to expect to see Bobby Flay at his restaurant or Mario or Guy or whoever it may right, be. Right. You know, it's become normal to not see him, which is to me is ridiculous. When uh, I worked for Justin Timberlake's restaurant, people would come in all the time expecting Justin was going to be there. And, you know, he wasn't there. And then they expected his mom was there and his, his grandma and... Uh, you know, I, I know it's an, it's not a realistic expectation uh, anymore, but but I don't, you know, for me, absolutely, I don't, I, it's part of the deal. And then there's also the authenticity of it. You know, if it's going to be my name on it, I am a barbecue guy. I'm not just, I'm not Michael Simon who created this concept of Mabel's Barbecue, nothing against him. I'm sure it's good, but this is a created concept. I'm on record for a lot of years about how I like to do things. So if I tell you, you know, whatever it may be, I always have talked about using hickory and cherry wood in a combination. Well, if you come in my restaurant and we're using uh, pecan wood because we just didn't, the people that the restaurant don't know that I've been for 20 years telling people to use cherry and hickory. And I'm just using that as an example. Hell, we might use pecan, but it'll be because I decided we did. Um, not because they just changed it on me when I wasn't there paying attention. Is there, a, is there a name yet for the restaurant? No, uh, there's not. We've gone through a thousand of them. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, although I really think it's kind of cool because one of the things that I cite often for people that shouldn't go in the restaurant business is they have a name before anything, before they even know, you know, uh, what jurisdiction or have called the health department or, you know, thought about hiring anybody. They, they have a really cool name and they're sure that's going to solve the problems that may come along the way. And I always cite that as a, the last thing you should worry about is the name. And ironically, we've been trying to find a name and we just have not come with, up with the perfect one yet. Well, good news for you, Ray. I have a suggestion. Oh, good. I was hoping. Free of charge, Barbecue Central. <laughs> it's got a ring to it. I don't know. Well, and amazingly, one of the main <laughs> drags with all the restaurants on it in St. Petersburg is Central Avenue. See? I mean, so. it's like kismet. 
I know. Do you have the .com or is it available? Well, I mean, I have the bbqcentralshow.com, so I'm sure Barbecue Central. If it and if it's not available, you know, you can probably buy it for sixty or seventy bucks from the douche that has it that really isn't ever going to use it anyway, and you're the just guy holding buying it. it right now. Yeah, right. That guy. It's probably John Dawson, Patio Daddio, buying it up right now to resell it at a later date. Uh, all right. It's so, do we have like opening times or anything like that yet? Um, we're close. We've looked at a lot of real estate. It's a tough decision. There's, you know, it's not, uh, the beauty of this is this is, these are serious restaurant people. It's not, we're not just looking for a cheap place that we're going to magically make it work in a horrible location. So we're looking at high profile locations and big buildings. And, uh, so it's tough, but, but I think once we have the building, uh, we're thinking we can do it in about four months. So, uh, what's to now July uh, before the end of the year, I'm hoping. All right, you've heard it here first. Ray Lampy getting into the barbecue business at a restaurant to be named later and a place to be named later. We'll keep following <laughs> up each and every month until we get all of the details hammered down. He's Ray Lampy. You see him here the first Tuesday of each month. Ray, always appreciate the time. Congratulations on the restaurant. We'll talk to you again next month. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate it, man. You got we'll it. See you soon. There he is, Ray Lampy. Restaurateur, Ray Lampy. I think he. I've heard him tell people 50 times in the Ask Dr. Barbecue segments, uh, you want some advice about opening a uh, barbecue restaurant? Yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> Maybe Ray might want to take a little advice from me aside from the name and head on over to butcherbbq.com and load up on the spices. That's right. The spices, the rubs, the injections, the bird boosters, all that good stuff. Not only can it help restaurateurs, it can help backyard people like me. It helped me just Monday. That was yesterday. That was 50% of my rib combination in regards to the rubs. Honey rub, one of my most favorite rubs ever of all time. I love honey rub. So versatile, so good. Really great on pork, really good on chicken as well. So we know that Butchers is well known for the injections, right? The pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird booster, all of that good stuff available for sale right now, butcherbbq.com. If you are looking for the rubber, the sauce, friends, you've hit the mother load here as well. Butcher Barbecue, a full line of award-winning rubs and sauces. One of my favorite rubs, aside from the honey rub, is the steak and brisket rub. And then you have the new rubs as well that have been released here a handful of months ago. Chipotle, the secret rub. The triple secret pitmasters rub, as I like to call it. Uh, the cherry and the pecan. And last but not least, the sweet barbecue souse. I made my own this past weekend. However, I do have no less than three bottles in a lock and load situation from sweet uh, for that sweet barbecue sauce because everybody in the house loves it. It's great by itself. You can also get a little crazy with it and mix it up. Use some other ingredients in it. It can base sauce just as well as stand on its own. And then, of course, you have the grilling oils. If you watched any of my Facebook posts from yesterday, you saw me lay a big, thick line of butter-flavored grilling oil right there on the raw ribs. Rubbed it down, really worked it into that meat. Rubbed it deep. Then applied the the, uh, rubs on top of that. I just love the flavor, the adherence. Put it on steaks as I'm taking them off the grill. There's limitless uses for the grilling oils. Those come in flavors as well, too. Steakhouse, chipiatli, and butter flavor. Butter's my favorite. So here's what you do. You head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com and stock up. 
Butcher Barbecue, always trust your butcher. Mike McLeod is back with me right after this. Stick around. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. If you're looking for something medium-sized, my brother's got one of those. Davy Crockett, the Jim Bowie. The Daniel Boone, all those models. They're ready to go. Plus, they can give you pellets to fire those cookers as well. Also, those pellets will work in any pellet cooker. So, you know, fear not, my friends. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com to get yours today. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, joining me now. A friend of this show, the uh, president and CEO of MMA Creative, the creator of the World Food Championships, taking place a little later this year. Mike McLeod joining me here on the show. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am great, Greg. How are you? Absolutely fabulous, Mike. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. And uh, I guess before we get into the World Food Championship stuff, um, uh, Let's start with a little bit of Sam's Club. Uh, I had mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, the second regional final took place this past weekend. And really what I find to be one of the most charming, romantic, and great cities in the world, Marietta, Georgia. Uh, Ten more teams punched their ticket to Bentonville for later this year. And, you know, from all of the sources that I get info from weekly or that I'm touching base with to kind of get a pulse check, this might be the most popular year the Sam's Tour has seen to date in regards to contests attended and the the level of competition teams that are going out there looking to kind of move forward and get that final prize. From a high level, like how are you seeing this season compared to some of the past ones? I think you're right. Um, it is the best season. It feels like the best season so far. Uh, it feels like we've come, in, come into a, a, a mature team, if you will, if you want to uh, draw a connection to sports. I feel like the the teams are working together well and, and moving the ball down the field well. And uh, we have just two great coaches, if I can extend that metaphor even further, with um, the KCBS Network and with Sam's Club. Um, this this year's tournament filled up faster uh, than ever before, uh, even with some technical challenges early on, which we, we've run into a couple of years now. But uh, the, uh, the the entire season is going along very smoothly, and we're very um, – very happy right now, and I'm going to knock on wood and pretend that, it, that I don't jinx it. You know, I think from, from a technical aspect, and of course you're talking about that registration thing in the front, and, you know, if that's one of those things that just isn't going to get solved, but everybody's expectation is now set going forward, that there might be a little bit of a hurdle here and there, but once you're in, you're in, and, and the whole thing moves on. I mean, I haven't heard anybody chirp about that five minutes after the whole thing ended and everybody got where they ended up getting anyway. And the rest of the slots kind of filled up pretty rapidly after that if they weren't all filled up uh, right in that initial registration phase. So uh, I would imagine that, you know, from their side of it, Sam's Club has to be pretty ecstatic about not only seeing all of those slots get filled, but they're still getting that uh, attention from the crowds wherever they're at and kind of seeing the, the benefit of business from their side, too. They are. And uh, they're not only happy with Barbie just because of their um – 
their belief in it and their support of it, but they're happy with their, their suppliers who have jumped on board to help them. Uh, they've also added a lot more marketing uh, power to the, to the mix this year, which we're very happy about. They're spreading, spreading the gospel of barbecue just as much as KCPS or anybody else ever has. So uh, I, I think they are happy, and um, there, there's, there, everything's going in the direction we want it to right now. we just got to keep it, uh, keep it rolling, so to speak. All right, uh, so that's Sam's Club. So let's go ahead and look at the uh, the other side of the coin here, which is the World Food Championships. And I guess before we get into that a little bit, I mean, is there any tug or pull for you? I mean, obviously the, the Sam's Club is, I guess, more MMA-related and, and KCBS-related. World Food is kind of your own deal. Is there any, like, pull back and forth for you to, to go for one or the other, or is it pretty seamless for you? I'm pretty much a rag doll. I get yanked and pulled in every direction you can imagine. Um, the you know me pretty well by now, Greg. I've just decided to devote uh, my career to food sport, and some days, uh, well, every day that involves some KCBS and involves some Sam's Club and involves some World Food Championships. Uh, the World Food Championships takes uh, a little bit more efforting and a little bit more ideation and, and uh, ingenuity right now because we continue to evolve and try to make it better and try to make the, the system uh, just as smooth as KCBS has made its sanctioning process, just as smooth as we've made the operational logistics behind the Sam's Club Tour. Um, you know, in the, in the World Food Championships, the difference is we're dealing with more than barbecue. We're dealing with nine disciplines of food, um, 400 and something teams throughout the world from 20 countries and 45 states, and we're dealing with three layers of challenges in the tournament. So it's a, it's a big Rubik's Cube. Uh, we, we feel like we've got about, um, oh, I don't know, five of the six sides figured out right now. And uh, I think this year at our fifth anniversary, we're going to have, we're going to try to uh, close it up and make it a really, really solid uh, game plan. Mike, you have kind of a, of a legacy opportunity with World Food Championships. Do you think, as things continue to build, as you said, you're getting into your sixth year now, where if this thing really takes off, you would have to kind of step away full-time from the MMA stuff and, and do World Food Championships full-time and, and really push that forward and that vision forward? It's a possibility. I mean, the same thing could happen if Sam's Club wanted to, to ramp up uh, the tour and go to uh, 60 cities versus 30 cities. Um, if KCBS's international growth continues to, to expand rapidly, we could get pulled overseas more. Um, you know, I've, I've had a company that's, that's grown and, and uh, right-sized itself numerous times over the last 25 years. So I'm not afraid of growth. I'm not afraid of expanding. I'm not afraid of change. And uh, for me right now as an entrepreneur who feels like he's in his prime, um, you know, I don't, I don't see jumping into one boat. Uh, or just one opportunity, but uh, I'm not going to say that it's not possible. The World Food Championships has a chance to really become another major, major platform. Like I'm going to use the word NFL, even though you and I both know it'll probably never be that big. <laughs> but but we certainly want to be the Olympics uh, of food. And um, there's no reason, if you can have a speed week around guys who drive a car in a circle, um there's no reason we can't have a, a food week and go two weekends and 10 days and maybe have 20 categories and have a million dollar prize purse uh, and have every major corporate uh, uh, food oriented type company involved. It's just a matter of getting there. It's a matter of maturing and, and bringing on the right team members and 
expanding at the right time and continuing to um, uh, be liquid and, and be agile and, and be uh, thought-provoking. So I hope that I can continue to shepherd it to where it is kind of a legacy play. Uh, but I, I expect to always be in barbecue. You know, I've always told people, once you do the barbecue, it's like uh, when barbecue gets in your blood, it's like smoke in your clothes. It's hard to get out. So um, I, I, don't, I don't see myself getting out of it anytime soon. Mike McLeod joining me here on the show. Mike, uh, as far as the World Food Championships is concerned, uh, we, we're kind of you know building into that finals, which takes place uh, this year on November. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. I just had it. Fifteenth. Yeah, November fifteenth. November fifteenth. So we are currently right now. You're running the uh, Destination America World Food Championships, which was obviously showcasing what happened last year. And uh, that started June 11th. That goes through the 9th. That runs 10 p.m. Eastern on Destination America. So uh, how are you? And and you did that the year before as well. So, you know, if you can, we compared Sam's seasons year over year just a a couple minutes ago. So as you look at this TV show as it's unfolding versus the last one, uh, do you see a lot of similarities? Do you see some better, some worse? What are you thinking? There are some similarities. Uh, There are some things that we did less of, and there's a lot of things that we did more of. And, one of the things that I'm really, really pleased with on this series as it unfolds and I get feedback and we see viewership ratings uh, going in a really, really good direction is that we got to, uh, we did something no one's ever done, Craig. We, we profiled and we included more teams, uh, more team names, more people, more personalities into this 22-minute episode than we did uh, two years ago with FYI when we had a one-hour episode. And it's because the show is more about the competition. It's more about food sport. It's more about the people behind food sport. It's not about Mike McLeod. It's not about a host. It's not about, and I love Jeffrey Todd. He's a good friend of mine. Um, but it's not about making a, a, a show around a personality. It's, a, it's about a show of a ton of personalities. And I like that formula. Um, is it the end-all, be-all formula? I, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to to answer that question but uh i do know that i like where it's going and we're going to continue to improve on it this next season uh we're already game planning uh, uh how we're going to do some, a few things differently we're going to show a lot more judging in the next process because that's the other side of the coin behind the world food championships that a lot of people don't know uh how legitimate and how solid uh and how passionate the judges are so that's one of the things that we want to amp up the noise on in the next season but uh for now i'm i'm very pleased and i hope most people will be too i I'll just mention that uh, the final table where uh, our uh, uh, friend Lauren Hill from the Smoking Hills uh, takes the, the big prize check home, that will air this Saturday at uh, 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern. So I hope the barbecue community um, uh, tunes in because, you know, that's one of the largest paydays. It's not uh, one of the biggest paychecks in barbecue. So uh, it, it's a good moment uh, for barbecue, in my opinion. Like you'd mentioned judging a couple minutes ago, and that was a question that I actually had sketched out to, to ask about. So, you know, when you watch who's winning World Food Championships, and I think it was last year uh, when the carrot cake beat the brisket or whatever it was, um, both barbecue guys uh, that did it was two years. So I, I guess on, on the surface you're like, how does anything baked beat barbecue? But there's a criteria <laughs> of judging that your judges have to work, which really disseminates right. uh, or differentiates or delineates 
who's going to win regardless of what you think should win because it's a brisket or it's a dessert or it's a re- or whatever. So can you give me like the the high level judging criteria? Yeah, yeah it's uh, and no one should, will be shocked by this. You know, the the KCBS influence on me uh, in my career is, is heavy. So we we took the same kind of approach to it. We just knew that we were going to be de- dealing with different disciplines. And um, you know how do you how do you judge a dessert against a barbecue versus a chili versus a, a sandwich? Well, we came up with uh, the EAT methodology, which stands for execution, appearance, and taste. Uh, we tend to put acronyms on everything in the world, so that's one of the reasons, one of the marketing things that we uh, came up with. And uh, we taught our judges and are continuing to teach our judges that you you judge a dish by its own merits, much like barbecue. Um, KCS does in barbecue, they judge a, a barbecue entry by its own metrics or merits, not against one another. So when you think about that and you get a little bit more objective, you, you start ruling out some of the subjective tendencies that people ha- happen to have. They can't judge something because or down because it's uh, not as sweet as they like or not as spicy as they like. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, is this the best carrot cheesecake or uh, the best uh, cherry uh, cobbler or, or the best uh, Monte Cristo that I've ever eaten in my life? Or how does it compare to what my expectation for a Monte Cristo or the execution of a Monte Cristo is about? So every dish is scored on its own merit, and then it goes into the system. It is a blind process, much like the KCBS process. And uh, we, we think it stands on its own very well, and it, it has helped us create four different category winners in four years uh and for the first time a barbecue dish actually won it's like the westminster kennel club how do you determine the best of show right we've right. done the same thing in, in food and i was glad to see barbecue take it down this year uh, an interesting side note barbecue teams are really proving how good they are at food sport at the world food championships because about 165 170 of our 350 prize purse this past year went to barbecue teams. Some of them in, uh, well, the dessert winner was a barbecue team. The chili winner was a barbecue team. The uh, hamburger winner was a barbecue team, or at least they had barbecue roots. And then, of course, the entire barbecue segment took home uh, the prize first barbecue. So um, anyone that knows how to compete at a KCBS barbecue contest uh, stands a really good chance of doing well at the World Food Championships. Mike McLeod joining me here on the show. He's the president and CEO of MMA Creative. He's the creator of the World Food Championships. And uh, don't forget, the final is coming up this Saturday on Destination America, so be sure to tune in on that one and see the Smoking Hills take it all this coming Saturday. Mike, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. Greg, I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Thank you. you. There he is, Mike McLeod. I think it's key to know... Because that was like my gripe. Green pen, it's, it's hidden. That was my, not gripe, but I'm like, how does a carrot cake ever beat anything that's cooked? Like, that made no sense to me. And I was talking to a final table judge at one point, and they were like, hey, it's the eat methodology, and here's what it means. And they kind of explained it very high level, nothing in depth like Mike said, but, you know, they were like, you're judging each individual entry on its own merit. You're not saying, is this carrot cake better than this brisket? Because if you're a beef eater and you don't really like sweet things, I mean, the brisket is just going to get chosen, right? So you have to make it fair. Eat methodology 
winning the day when it comes to judging at the World Food Championships. That's Mike McLeod, MMA creative and the creator of the World Food Championships. Always fun talking with him. All right. I'm going to talk to you about the pit, the pit barrel cooker. I got some crazy pop going on. Quickly, folks. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking. Sometimes downright nervous. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? Might I strongly suggest the pit barrel cooker. The pit barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like briskets, pork shoulder, and ribs, while also being able to ramp up in temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook-and-hang method places the food in the center of the heat So it's almost like a stationary rotisserie, if you will. Result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. In the industry, we call it consistency. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous-looking cooking vessel, it's an aesthetically sexy devil as well. It's not only built to withstand heat, but thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, it can stand up to any type of weather. It's also extremely portable. It It can fit in the back of most vans, trucks, SUVs, it's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the pit barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From rubs to the unique removable ash pan to pit grips to turkey hangers the hinged grill grates, there's a full line of accessories that will really complete your pit barrel experience. And the best part, for $299, that's it. The pit barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, and ships to your door for free. That's $0, by the way. Don't take my word for it. The folks at AmazingRibs.com give the Pit Barrel a top 10 rating in their gold division. It's the highest rating, by the way, not once, not twice, but three years in a row. They've also said, quote, we're running out of good things to say about this simple, affordable smoker. There's nothing else like it on the market. Close quote. Head over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full collection of high-definition short how-to videos. Then pick up one or seven for yourself. Think about this. If you pick up seven, it's only $2,100 for seven. That won't even get you half of some of those big stick throwers. If you have any questions, contact them through the website or call them. 502-228-1222. 502-228-1222. And yes, they'll actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about. Pit Barrel Cooker. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, your email address. I'm getting some compliments on the tan. Uh, That, by the way, is not Florida tan. No, I was inside in the convention center. So unless UV rays make it through eight feet of concrete and underneath the ground... Although I did, well, I did get a little at the pool at the Red Roof Inn. 
that sexy pool. It's mostly softball dad, Tam, sitting out there in the blazing sun, watching your youngest daughter get her head beat in. That's all right. They try. Well, she tries. All right. Mike McLeod was in. Ray Lampy was in. How about that? Ray Lampy is going to be opening a restaurant before the potentially. Before, okay, well, what do we know about restaurants? So let's just safely say this. Ray Lampy will be opening up a restaurant uh, first quarter next year. Book it. Cavs and six, book it. Ray Lampy first quarter next year, book it. I'll be, I'll be like two for two. You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy in the chat. So crazy. Uh, where are we at? All right, we got a couple. Let me see what we got going here. The World Food Championships, by the way, is in Celebration, Florida, which is kind of by Kissimmee, which is also like Disney Quarrel. So if you're in that general area, check it out. There's a kitchen stadium for crying out loud. Or kitchen arena, kitchen stadium. I don't know if that's trademarked because of uh, that really cool cooking show that I can't remember right now for some reason. Welcome to Kitchen Stadium. Iron Chef, right. So check it out. November 18th, is that what he said? I had it somewhere. Oh, did I already? And don't forget the World Food Championships TV show final is at 10 o'clock Saturday. Watch Lauren Hill. Take it. Take it. Big check, too. Who doesn't love big checks? Do you take the big check to the bank? Like those guys that win the lottery or publisher's clearing house or something along these lines, when you get the really big ass checks, do you do you take those to the bank? I don't know. All right, uh, we're going to get ready for the second hour. Refresh libations, folks. We got a legend coming up in the second hour, Ed Marin. Until then, I bid you adieu. You're listening and watching. The Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Johnny Dam, host of the Damage Report radio show. When I'm not falling in love with the First Amendment all over again, I like to sit back, relax, and rub my meat to the Barbecue Central show. And now your host, Greg Rempe. Go, Greg. Yeah, rub that meat. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? We have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, What? Eight, two, three, four, we nerd. Listen, LeBernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> 
We have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hey, welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We originate from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It's the barbecue capital of the North Coast. It's the home of your 2016 NBA World Championship, Cleveland Cavaliers! However that guy says it. What a kook. If you want to jump in, I am more than happy to take a phone call or an email. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. The Red Roof Inn. Ouch, Greg, that I drive area. That I drive area? What does that mean? English, please, Matt. The portion of this Barbecue Central show is brought to you by CookingPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookingPellets.com to purchase or go to Amazon.com to purchase as well. Download their app. And they will let you know when crazy shipping prices are happening through Amazon or through cookingpellets.com. I use their pellets. They're wonderful. I have a number of pellet cookers on my deck right now, and they work fabulously in all of them. So cookingpellets.com or, again, amazon.com. Still to come tonight, Ed Morin from the FEC line of cookers and Cook Shack fame and barbecue fame, all a lot of fame. Uh, sand racing fame? John Dawson asking if there's any gin and tonica drinkers in the house. In college, I used to partake in a gin and tonica every once in a while. But now in my cultured palate days, I almost refuse to put any type of wash with gin, especially if it's good gin. If it's good gin, I want to taste the gin. Maybe a gentle layer of dry vermouth on the ice. You would recall a number of years ago I did how I make my martinis. I put the vermouth over the ice, and then I strain it out, and whatever the right amount freezes on the ice in the shaker. And then pour your gin in. Gently stir. Don't bruise the gin. Pour it out. Two olives. Suck you lunch. I don't like to cover it up with a wash. That's just me. The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled into Marietta, Georgia this past weekend. It was a regional final, the second regional final. It feeds the Bentonville, Arkansas National Final. Not six teams, ten teams. Moving on to the Bentonville Regional, uh, the Bentonville National Final are taking it in Grand Championship fashion. Contagious Q with a 697.6. Boom. Smoke Me Silly is RGC Holland Butt Barbecue, third place. Fourth place, Q and Stewin and Bruin. Fifth place, The Specialists. Sixth place, Moyers Competition Barbecue Team. Number seven, Bald Hog Barbecue. Number eight, Oklahoma Joe's Serious Q. Number nine, We Q for You. And rounding out the top ten under the radar. Now, in many different, many different times, 
I have said, here's the discrepancy between first place and 10th place. I think it was a week or two ago. It was like 35 points between first and third. I mean, it was an absolute beat down when you look at it from a points situation, from a points discrepancy. So Contagious Q with a 697.6. What's separating 1 through 10? 10th place was a 690.7, so this one was tight. 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 GC and RGC was only separated by two-tenths of a point. Stop the presses. Stop the presses. I got an exclusive. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Folks, Greg Renfrey reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. A celebrity has made it in to the chat room. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my best friend ever, and I'm not even kidding. Seth Sanders! Are you kidding me? You're on Facebook, right? You're streaming this show on Facebook. I know it. What's up, Seth Sanders? Seth Sanders is in. Mines! It's my bag, Seth. It's my bag. Can't believe Seth Sanders is in here. What's up, man? What's good? Love Seth. All right, so the next Sam's Club stop is this coming weekend, 7-9. That's July 9th. One day shy of the best day ever on the face of the earth, which is July 10th. And that particular competition, which is a local qualifier... Going to be in one of my most favorite cities ever. If you've never been to Indianapolis, Indiana, I mean, look out. I love it. I love Indy. Who doesn't love Indy? Never been to Indy? Man, it's got that small town feel, but it's got big upside. Oh, It's got one of the best independently owned steakhouses in the country. St. Elmo Steakhouse. Go get it. I mean, the steak is great. The best thing on the menu is the shrimp cocktail. You always see when they have Monday Night Football in Indianapolis, they always got a camera on the shrimp on the uh, shrimp cocktail window. They have a whole section out area in the restaurant for people to just watch them make it. It's awesome. I love it. All right, so I got a couple minutes. Here's how wacky politics is, and this is not going to be a politi- uh, political take. But I was at the B spot, which is Michael Simon's burger restaurant in Strongsville, coming back from a softball thing on Saturday. And I took a bunch of Bob, my uh, oldest daughter's friends. There were three, there were five of us in total. We stopped out. We're going to get a burger. I make a post. I'm at B spot, blah, 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 at Chef Simon, at B spot. Michael Simon like replies back in like six minutes. He's very diligent on his social media. He will interact with you. Very good guy. Replied back quickly, enjoy. So he saw it. It was great. And all of a sudden, like the next day, my Twitter is blowing up, blowing up like I've never seen it before. And it is hate. Hate because Michael Simon said these words on a local Cleveland sports talk show. Plan for the Republican convention. Who's coming in? Is is the Donald going to sit down? Are you going to pair him up with a threesome? How's this going to go down? Dude, there's not a chance I let him into one of my restaurants. Come on. Michael. Oh, wow. Wait a second. Wait a second. He just says, if you miss it, I was totally not hip to the fact that he said that he would not have Donald Trump in any of his restaurants, but he just said it. He's like, I will, I will not have him. Not a political thing, according to him. Not Democrat, not Republican thing. Just I think the guy's kind of creepy. He said it later on in the interview. 
that you thought he was kind of creepy. Somehow, my post saying that I'm at his restaurant getting a burger, I got one of the biggest backlashes coming at me. Like, I told him, like, I told Donald Trump he wasn't allowed on the Barbecue Central show. or so. I got lumped in because I was just, hey, Democrat, Republican, uh, Asian, Black, Chinese, it don't matter. I want a good burger. It don't matter. I'm good. If you have a restaurant and you got a big name and you say you're going to not take on uh, the Democratic nominee or the Republican nominee or the Libertarian nominee, that's your business. If it's a good burger, I'm going to eat that mother effer. I love a good burger, and B-Spot makes a good burger, so I just, I didn't know. I Man, I was getting obliterated. He's a patriot. Donald Trump's a patriot. You hate everybody. I mean, it was getting retweeted and shared and live. I was like, how did I get involved in this? I just wanted to eat a healthy burger. Watch out. Watch out. Look out. You can get attacked on social media. People are very tough when they are not in front of your face. Yeah, I said it. You got a bunch of keyboard commandos ready to throw down on you. The problem is I don't ever want to get too crazy because some of those people might be hackers and they could take all of my 20s and 40s of dollars. I need that money. So be careful. If you're going to post something, restaurant you're at, make sure they didn't say anything bad about somebody because people will troll the internet ready to throw down. Most of these people never even met Donald Trump. Don't even know him. But they have no problem kicking me right in my internet testicles. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I would do it. Meanwhile, I just got like retreat, retweeted and retweeted and retweeted like crazy. Who's the winner, bitch? The Chops Power Injector System is the NBBQA 2015 and 16 barbecue tool of the year. They come in three awesome sizes to fit your injecting need from backyard cooks to the caterers to the restaurants, all that stuff. They got three different sizes. Number one seller is the half-gallon Chops Power Injector System designed for competitions or to pump up the backyard warrior just like me. Easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. If you have one brisket or a pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It's going to use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The one-gallon Chow's Power Injector System designed for catering and bigger jobs. Holds double the amount of the half-gallon, obviously. Some use in competitions, like when you're cooking MBN Whole Hog or 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. Comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 120 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The newest one... Is a Chops Full Power Injector System. It's the electric and commercial competition Big Daddy. Not a holding tank this time around, but a three and a half foot pickup tube. But you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. It was originally designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. And he said time and time again that with the Chops Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14 gauge needles, 3 inch 12 gauge needles, 2 inch 11 and a half gauge needles. Three plug screws, a needle protector. It's three hundred twenty-five bucks plus shipping anywhere. That's right. Number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector System. 
Here's the thing. We live in a foodie world that requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. It's not just for meat either. How about an alcohol-infused watermelon? You can do it with the CHOPS Power Injector System. Every injector, hand-assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories if you want them. They got them. You want to shoot medium-ground spices, they have you covered for that. They got two, three, four-inch, 12-gauge needles. They, re- they sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. They have a great upgrade to make the CHOPS Injector bulletproof. Metal needle adapters. How about that? Go to BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's barbecue with a Q, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com, and hook up with the CHOPS Power Injector System. You'll wonder how you ever got away with just one friggin' needle. Take it to the bank. We're back with Fast Eddie. What? Fast Eddie! Right after this. Stick around. I'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back to 16-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Your two bits of contact information if you want to jump in on the show tonight. All right, two weeks in a row I can safely use the term legend and not feel like I'm just throwing the word around like a crazy kook in the barbecue world. One of my favorite guys to talk barbecue with, period, end of story. We race to the hotline and welcome back, good friend of the show, Ed Marin. Eddie! Hey, man. What's up? How you doing? Ed, uh, click on your uh, camera there so we can see it. Oh, gosh. Let's see if I can even figure yeah. out how to do that. It should be right there at the bottom. little uh, camera with a line through it probably right now. Camera with a line through it. Yeah, just hover your oh, mouse. Yeah, there it there. is. Here, we, here he comes. Here he comes. There, there he we is. Go. The legend. Oh, great. Now my Skype isn't going to pick it up, of course. All right. I'll just relaunch it. <laughs> So, uh, Eddie, uh, you know, we want to talk about barbecue and we want to talk about pellet cookers and all this other stuff. But here's something I learned about Fast Eddie. You're you're a racer for real and you're really good at racing. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, it's I'm not really good at racing. I love racing, but uh, this year was probably my most success that I've ever had in my life. Yes. So uh, I guess for the folks that don't know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of racing around. This is a, a specific kind of race that you're doing. Uh, have you always been into this kind of a thing, or is this a, a version of racing that you've gotten into over time, or what? Uh, I'm a retread. I did this from '77 to '83, and. Um, that's back before kids right after I and I actually got married in 79. Um, I had to put it away and raise a family and do all those kinds of things you're supposed to do in life, you know. And then in 2009, uh, the bug kind of bit and I went back is off road racing. And uh, I went back and my first race in 2009 was the Mint 400. And they brought it back on the old course that was used to be the the most prestigious race in the United States. And um, we were fairly successful, me and an old buddy of mine. And the, but of course the bug bit really hard and it's very difficult to be a Baja, uh, an off-road racer from the Midwest. So, um, I got to looking at things and, um, 
you know, getting back into the sport and you still had all the old heroes from back in the day, I really took a, a liking to what they call the Nora vintage car racing. And I found a very famous race car that I restored that was raced from 83 through 86 by a guy named Larry Ragland. And Larry is the only five-time overall Baja 1000 champion. And this car, uh, Larry campaigned it, and this is the car that developed his reputation to getting the 16-year run he had with General Motors to be their trophy truck driver. So I restored this very famous race car. And actually, not this year, but last year, Larry went and raced with me down at Nora and uh, developed a great relationship with Larry. He is like the A.J. Foyt of off-road wow. racing. All right. And um, so this year, uh, a fellow named Roy, I mean, uh, Rory Ward, uh, Rory R Ward raced with me and uh, split the duties, driving duties with me. And it was just me and him, his 15-year-old daughter, and uh, Paul Levine, a very good friend of mine from Kansas City, were the crew. And uh, the neat thing about the Nora racing is like uh, it's like going to Dakar. It's a rally. It's a four-day event. It goes from Ensenada to Cabo, and it's 1,388 miles, I think it was, this year. And uh, you have hard racing stages, and you have uh, transit stages. And uh, we... And they broke it up into eras. The cars are, are my eras from 83 to 88. And there's like five eras of, of cars. And we won the overall of our era by two hours and 52 minutes. Wow. That's huge, right? Yeah. That's big. Oh, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a butt kicking. Yeah, definitely. Ed Fast Eddie. <laughs> I mean, that's why they call you Fast Eddie, right? Because you're a car racer probably. Well, that's really, you know, that that's why that's why I got the nickname Fast Eddie. I mean, it was because not because of barbecue and other things. It was because of my passion for wheels and and I and I love anything with a steering wheel and driving hard. So that this got me to go back to that. And of course, you know, successful business gave me the financing to be able to do this and and uh, and and I had a wife that allowed me to do this, which is a big deal. I mean, you, everybody wants their husband running in the middle of Mexico up in the mountains <laughs> of nowhere, you know, driving the wheels off something, don't they? Oh yeah. Very safe. It sounds like <laughs> my Lord, you got a, you got a good one there. No doubt about it, Eddie. So, um, well, I'm an adrenaline junkie, you know, that's that fire department thing. And, and you gotta, you know, you, you're always looking for, you know, something that gets the blood pumping, you know, barbecue's fun and great and all, but it just doesn't get the, the jive of happening, you know, no doubt about it. So, uh, so let's uh, transition back into barbecue just for a second, you know, and let's kind of roll it all the way back here, you know, back to the days when, you know, you were paying Traeger like a royalty to use that whole auger system and the FE cookers. And, you know, now you look at the, at the pellet market and, and being one of the pioneers in the industry, as someone who really believed that pellets were going to be the way of the future, how do you view the segment right now, and what are your thoughts of its growth here, You know, especially over the last five to seven years or so? Oh, I, I think once Traeger's patent ran out and all these other companies came in, a lot more marketing money came in. And, of course, Traeger itself changed hands with some investment groups that have poured some money into it. It is a, I, I, it's finally going where I think it's, it's starting to make some momentum. It's not, it's not even scratched the surface yet, but it is starting to move on. Um, 
you're getting ready to hear a whole lot more about it. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. So I'm going to tell it right here on your show tonight. We are now the uh, pit of choice for Dickie's Barbecue. Really? They use they use the FEC 300. So Dickie's Barbecue is the largest barbecue chain yep. in the U.S. at about 576 stores. I think they're at now. Um, and it's they were you know we talked to them on and off for years, and actually about uh, 18, 20 months ago they started testing uh, one of our smokers. And, uh, actually we kind of told them go away. They were such a pain in the butt. <laughs> um, but, uh, they did understand one thing when you get to that size, they understood what the pellet concept took care of. They understood all the things that all the problems that they were having out in the industry that I always knew was coming down the pipe was number one, consistency, number two, storage, number three, uh, dealing with all this hot ash and catching places on fire and their insurance and all that health departments storage. I mean, when you start looking at everything that the pellet thing does, and then even the deal environmentally with all the heavy smoke that the offsets are putting out where you're not offending your neighbor now by, you know, we're putting smoke out where we don't have the heavy particulates and, and you're, you're not, you're not going to have the guy next door complaining. And, and you know, I mean, it's just one thing and after another, they finally real, they realized what this would do. And it took them about another 10, 12 months to come around. And they, you know, they've also talked to several other companies and there's been some companies out there uh, trying to develop a pellet cooker. And I think they, they're going to have somebody else as a second choice come aboard, but they, they got to get through all the pains that we did, you know, uh, by getting something listed and tested on the marketplace for the commercial industry which a lot of people don't understand the, what that's all about. They're going to learn and put their money up if they're going to get a second choice, but they're, they're working on another manufacturer to have. They don't want to be tied in and exclusive to some, they want like the expl explanation was, well, we've got two brisket vendors. We buy 80% one place and we have somebody else as a backup. And I kind of get that, you know, but it's going to be pretty hard to beat, all the years that we've put into it and uh, how it works and how it cooks and, and everything. And right now nobody else has gotten that listing and gotten it done. And, and, and now with our controls with the IQ five and being able to record and three-step cooking and, and uh, everything that it does. Uh, I mean, God bless them. Good luck. And you got a lot of catching up to do. So when you, if I was going to be opening a Dickie's location, uh, I am then mandated to take on an FE cooker with the if, whole development. If you're, if, you, if you're a brand new franchisee, they have their new concept and the new store design, and it has the pellet cooker in it. Yes. Wow. So I mean, it's a, that's a really big deal for you guys, right? Yes, it is. I mean, um, when you think they say uh, they're going to try to open like 170 stores this year. Uh, wow. we'll see if they get to it, but I'll tell you the, the rate that they're, they're, we're making them they're, They might get there. So uh, is it like, a, do they have multiple units uh, or multiple cookers in each location or is it just like no, one, one's, one's right enough? Now they're, they're running on the FEC 300 is, is the unit that they're using. Um, they're, uh, the FEC 240 um, we may come up with a secondary design of it because it rolls through that 36 inch door. 
So it might be a twin of that or something. We're working with them on on doing some updating for that. We always feel that the FEC 240 fits more the footprint uh, and have two of them of, or some that size uh, would be the best for those type of operations. We sell a lot of them in Europe. I've got them in downtown London. Um, I mean, the the... The European market loves the pellet thing, especially. And here again, we're not being offensive with the smoke. You know, uh, it's it's funny. I we, last uh, last year we were last Labor Day weekend we were going through London and with our distributor over there. And I got I got a 120 in this basement, and we're right in the financial district of downtown London. And he's pointing where he's got my pellet cookers all at. I'm telling you what, that was very very cool. You know, knowing and how restrictive that they are over there, and 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 we got this equipment all over over there, and, and I'm telling you, we haven't scratched the surface of this pellet thing, and people are just going to see more and more of it, and and it, it, the convenience, the the it's good food. Is it the greatest? Is it the best food? It's very good food. We won our share of awards out there. I'm not going to sit here. I mean, it's all subjective, but I will tell you this: for the commercial world we solve the problems and you're going to have very good food out there. I mean, you know, Dickies is Dickies. They got their seasoning. They've got, some people are going to like them. So they're okay. You know, they're, they're, they're fast food barbecue. Um, you know, everybody wants to be the subway of this world out there in the franchise world. I mean, that, that subway comes off a lot of people's lips. Hell yeah. And, uh, everybody like to be a subway and they like to, you know, have them, them type of locations everywhere and these folks might be able to do that i'll tell you they are growing like a weed is there i mean is there any um like internal struggle with you where i mean you're a barbecue guy and, and you know good barbecue you even factor that into is it all is it all just business and we're going to push them out we're going to sell you these cookers and that's it and if you make crappy barbecue or you make great barbecue it's completely independent of the cooker oh no well you, you know I've tasted some of the worst food in the world off my pit. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's 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 going to make great food. And it, it's what happens once it comes out of that pit till it makes it to the customer. That's a big part of the issues out there in this world. And and I understand people got to make money. And hopefully, it, I like Dickies tries to do you know without reheats. They try to do a, a cook and hold type deal. They want to try to be as fresh as possible. They get that. Um, will their franchisees hold to that? I mean, they've got to pay their bills. You know, they're taught that in their school. Um, I'm, you know, so, um, you know, but they're independent operators and, uh, you know, and, and how they treat the customer and everything, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a finicky thing out there. And of course we, you know, I'd like to try to think if we talk with them. I, obviously I cook for these people, you know, um, uh, I was, you know, demoing Whole Food for Whole Foods uh, while I was up in the NRA show in Chicago, uh, and you know, a lot of personnel and people change and things like that. But it's it's pretty interesting when you you serve a guy a brisket, and he's tasting it and he's looking at his chef and he's going, "Why aren't we serving this?" You know, and you know that's it, we I can show them what good food is. It's what they take and go beyond that. You know, it's it's finally up to them. You know, uh, and I don't know if you're familiar or maybe you are, but there's uh, a newer barbecue restaurant just on the west side of Cleveland here in Lakewood, Ohio, called the Proper Pig Smokehouse. And that's a food truck gaining fame that actually grew into kind of a, a Texas-style barbecue is the kind of their claim to fame right now. And they're using a, a Fast Eddie cooker. Like, they were using it 
in their food truck, and when they got the yeah. brick and mortar, they installed a, an FE cooker right there in the back. I've been in the back. I've seen it cooking, and it's turning out phenomenal barbecue, but I think that goes to your point. I mean, these guys really took the time to learn the technique, learn the holds, and they are selling out each and every night, and they're looking to add another cooker, except the city of Lakewood are kind of being pricky about how they want spacing, and you know, as you, as I'm sure you well know more than anybody, Deal cities can be daily. very bad. Yeah, you know, cities yeah. cities can be a pain in the ass in a guy's quest to grow and conquer. Oh yeah, uh, no doubt. I mean, I loved you brought up the food truck thing. Uh, one of the things I'm working on here in Kansas City, I finally got me a building bought, but I am going to open a food truck commissary in Kansas City. I have a customer here that was talking to me, and the you know the he's got a group of food truck guys. They have a hard time getting kitchen time, and they're looking for places for stories they would like to have a real commissary and i've got a customer in chicago called chicago smoke kitchen if anybody'd like to take a look at it it's chicago smoke kitchen.com and uh he was an old contest cook uh jay staggs you know hung around with tony stone and uh, george sasser and that's how I got to meet Jay years and years ago. Uh, and Jay opened up, a, he put a commercial kitchen in his truck dock up there. And Jay helped write the, write the regulations with the food truck people and the city in, the, in Chicago. And he now commissaries and takes care of 24 food trucks out wow. of his operation. It's called a shared kitchen concept. And um, I mean, I'm trying to model myself sort of what after Jay's done up there in Chicago. So uh, here in Kansas City to help feed, you know, help fit the need here. Uh, on a competition side, Eddie, you still keep up with, you know, everything that's going on or have you, uh, you know, gotten a, a little, you know, out of the, the day-to-day who's winning, who's not, what's winning, what's not kind of a thing? Yeah, I've been kind of busy, you know, on the business side of things here um, a lot lately. I still try to, you know, nose around and see what's, you know, what's going on over there on the competition side of things. Um, I don't try to, you know, get clear away from it, but I'm not nearly as in deep to it as it was. I mean, we've gotten, things are getting, I mean, getting pretty hectic with us. And, and actually we're down at Cook Shack, uh, just signed the papers on a new building. So we're almost doubling the size of the factory. Wow down there and uh that move's going to be taking place over the next this fall and uh trying to keep all the lines running and uh going and and uh we're we're you know we're steadily growing and we've got another new product that hopefully will come out right after the first of the year and uh i'm going to give you a little lead in here but we're going to get into the pizza industry really who doesn't love pizza pizza and barbecue seem to go hand in hand anymore almost Right. Well, we've got a small little oven I've been working on for over two years, and um, it's getting very close, um, I believe. And we are, uh, we're, we're working really hard to uh, try to get this thing, you know, get it listed. And uh, it'll be, you know, food service wise, it'll be like a tabletop type, type machine. Um, it'll do like one pie at a time. And uh, it's been tested upwards of a thousand degrees. Really? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Most of your wood-fired pizza guys are cooking between 650 to 700. But, you know, here again, you've got all these people. They want to talk about 1,000. 
And so um, you want your machine to be able to do it, but I got—I can promise you, if you're if you got that thing selling along at about a thousand degrees, and you throw a pizza in there, you you're you're going to burn it to a crisp. I mean, it just uh, you know within about seventy-five seconds. <laughs> Ed Moran joining me here on the show. He's fast, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, can I hold you over for one more segment? Sure, you bet. All right, hold on one second, and uh, we will come right back to Eddie and. I'm going to tell you quickly about the Barbecue Guru. That's right. Makers of automatic pit temperature control technology located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. Longest running sponsor of the show. Folks, if you're thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, stop here. This is the company that started it all. If you're not familiar with how they work, I'm not going to get into the minutia, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature. Once set, keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today because maybe you're a busy working professional or you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands. And quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. I get it. The guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs or all of that. And then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There's a couple different models you can choose from right now. And by the way, pricing is gets no better than it is right now. They've completely changed the dealership situation. They've taken everything in-house. They've dropped pricing on all models. If you're really big on the tech side, if you want to control a couple different pits at the same time, you want to monitor internal temperature of meat through a smart device, whether it be like a netbook or a laptop or a smartphone or a tablet, CyberQ Wi-Fi is going to be the one you want to check out. On the other end of the spectrum, you have this thing called the Party Q. It's about 140 bucks or so. And this one is self-contained, runs on AA batteries. You can take it from a kettle cooker to a bullet cooker to a ceramic cooker. It's great, and it's the easiest point of entry into the automatic pit temperature control world. Uh, This one is just a temperature like the cruise control, as I say each and every week. So here's what you do. You head on over to the website, thebbqguru.com. That's thebbqguru.com. Or if you have any questions, don't guess. Call them, 800 288 G-U-R-U, that's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, 800-288-GURU or the website, thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we're back with Fast Eddie with a little bit more barbecue talk right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Your two bits of contact info should you see fit to join in this conversation. Ed Moore joining me here on the show, Fast Eddie. All right, Eddie, so uh, let me ask you some series of barbecue questions just kind of bounce around the uh the 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 world of uh, barbecue and grilling the industry if you will so i don't know if you saw this this is a post on the ibca facebook page i want to know your thoughts about this here's the post there was a post that suggested a rule change for ibca and it's been submitted for consideration by a member for banning all pellet cookers at competitions uh local pits of ibca will consider and make recommendations to the board for a meeting on August 5th with general membership meeting on August 6th. 
Do you think that there will ever be a, a point where uh, electric or the gurus or whatever will be tossed out? Or now that they're in, they're just going to be in and this thing is more or less without any basis or merit? I think it's without any basis or merit. I mean, it's been around for so long now, um, 25 years, you know, or, or longer CI. See, it got actually, it was late 80, 89, something like that, uh, is when it got accepted KCBS. Uh, and actually, Paul Kirk was up in the Pacific Northwest and seen the first unit. And um, he said, well, it fits the rules. I was probably the first one to really start cooking on them on a regular basis. You know, they'd kind of hit and missed a little bit, but I won the first uh, overall on a pellet cooker, and that was 1992. Um, So, and then, you know... uh, they talk about ridicule and making fun of first it was all made fun of, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny how this spectrum's gone, you know, but now these people want to think like is sitting around and throwing a piece of wood on a fire. They want to think like that's some sort of art form. And, and it, that's not art form. That's, that's, that's building a wall, keeping manual labor. <laughs> from, Coming into barbecue, man. You know, uh, I, it's it's just a joke. Uh, you know, I understand. You know the 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 whole uh, wood fired thing, and I understand keeping it naturally fired. And you know, I I I can kind of get that, but um, I I think it's I think it's hilarious. And I, somebody got a bug up their butt, and it gets written up all the time. And God bless them. Go ahead and do it. Uh, you, all they're going to do is oust themselves. What, what do you want to do? You want to keep a handful of cooks from showing up? Is that what you want to do? You know, that's if I guess they have enough money or they, somebody's got a bug. They don't like a pellet guy coming along or something. I mean, it's, it's pretty hilarious actually. Eddie, in regards to the pellet cooker uh, retailers out there right now, or the manufacturers, did you think when you got back into this, you know, all the way back when, that there would be this many options available to consumers right now? Or did you think there would be more and it would have taken off even more than it is now? I am very, uh, I'm still very surprised that we haven't seen Weber come out with theirs yet. Okay. I I will tell you probably within the next two years, you will see one that will have a, a Weber label on it. Let that me, will be a Weber design, I'll bet you. Let me ask you a question because I had asked a couple other, uh, you, you know, like the, the Green Mountain Grill size companies uh, saying, hey, you know, if Weber ever approached you, you know, maybe they don't want to make it look like a kettle or who knows. Do you think it's it's a point where one of the big names, a Weber or Charbroiler, is going to come in and, and snatch up a company and then maybe relook it and – put the Weber thing on it, or do you think they will actually invest the dollars and go from the ground up on a pellet cooker? Uh, I think they'll go from the ground up. Really? Yeah, I, I really do. I think it's, um, I, I, I think they've got, they're too proud uh, of a company to want to say we went in and bought somebody else and we're just adding our name to it. That's not them. Uh, not on a Weber side of things. Charboil, I don't know that company well enough or, or, or uh, enough 
or kind of know. I I do know that I you know this Weber still run by the a lot of the family, and um, I think they're too proud of being innovators and doing what they do to do something like that. That company is, but I, I don't know that you, you know anything at all over on the charboiler side of things. So you think in the next couple of years Weber will have a, a pellet cooker to bring to market? I've heard that they're working. All right. Uh, so do you think it would be a, a higher end cost one, or do you think it's going to be in that general consumer price range? Because that new charcoal grill that they brought out, for charcoal grill, I mean, obviously it's bigger, it's got some bells and whistles on it, but, you know, 1500 bucks or 2000 bucks, that's, you know, kind of a lot for a charcoal grill. Where do you see it potentially price-wise fitting into that market? I think that's where they'll be. I think they're going to be in that $1,500 range. I don't think they're, they're not going to play in, in, in the, uh, China market grills. They're, they're, they're going to, they're going to be in the, the upper end stuff is where I think they're going to be at. And, um, uh, it'd be, you know, made here in the States. I don't, I don't think they want to get down there and play down and dirty. Yeah. And also it, I think they're, they're also going to look like a, a grill. They're going to be more on the Memphis line, uh, or like me, or whatever. They're they're not going to be in the round smoker line. That's they they want to be more into the specialty store stuff with it and start there than they want to do a mass merchant. I believe. Do you think, in regards to the pellet manufacturers that are out there now, do you see more coming down the pike, or do you see uh, some amount of attrition happening here over the next couple of years where? You know, some might gobble some of the other ones up just for market share. Like, how do you see the segment growing or not growing here over the next couple of years? On the fuel side of things? Uh, just on the pellet cooker kind of uh, On kind of On the cooker side of things, yeah. now, I think I, I, I think you're going to see more. I think you're still going to see more yet come involved. Um, where, where are those that are going to really make any money? I don't know. Um there, it's not that big of an expense, really, you know, to go out there and become a rec tech of the world, okay, and do your own direct marketing and with social media and, and, and you know, go out there on eBay and, and you know, try to pound away and sell a few containers of grills, okay? You know, try to get a little following going and make a little money. Um, but, uh, and I think that's still a viable deal out there. Uh, that can happen, but you know you got the camp chefs, and that's a great name. They're making some money at at what they're doing, um, um, you know. But going out there and trying to build a dealer network, I don't know if that can be done again. Doing like what uh, like David's done over at at Green Mountain, you know. I mean, he's built a heck of a nice base and, and dealer network there because of all the years of hitting it and 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 how he went about it. Uh, I don't think I don't think you'll see something like that again. I really don't. I think you're going to see more of a smaller direct market sellers, and then or, or somebody getting in there and trying to go down and dirty and be the cheapest thing to hit the big box store. And then it'll be interesting to see what the big box stores do. You know, when you talk about down down and dirty, you have the other side of that, which is the high line. And I think you know your PG one thousand kind of fits right into that. You know, high line pellet cooker. You see the stainless steel and the quality and the care that you put into that build, you know, how are you viewing the success and, uh, and the sales of that particular cooker? Um, it's, you know, it is, it is what it, we feel like it is. Um, we don't, you know, uh, 
uh, it, it's it's fine for us. It's not something I'm trying to be mainline. It's just another additional line a line for us, and, and we got you know a handful of of uh, guys working, and uh, we don't have you know we don't try to get into large margins. We, we want to stay in a certain price point there. We like selling closer to the direct and just two step one, you know, single or two step. We don't want to three step the thing. So, um, you know, we're, we're happy with where it's at. Who's the, like, who's your segment, your target market for that kind of a cooker? Um, well, it's definitely the upper income you have. It's not, it's it's not a, a big box store. It's more the I'm I'm going to call it the second generation guy, you know the guy that that's you know had the the Traeger looking for more performance out of it is likes that wants something that's that'll last a little longer. Um, also would like that direct cooking a real char boiler would like more evenness out of it. Comes and checks out our features, you know and and. Um, that's that's our, you know ours is a second or third generation pellet pellet cooking guy is and, what ours is and that's probably like key right is being able to go either see one live or go onto your website uh, pelletcooker.com and really seeing where the differences lie it's not like everybody else this is a completely different cooking machine oh yeah and that's when I when I decided to do it I wanted to own my own technology. And I, I wanted to solve the problems and I wanted to do do what I felt like were issues that I didn't like about the pellet grill. You know, I, I didn't like that how it, it cooked differently out around the drip pan. I didn't I didn't like to that I couldn't actually, you know, get that fat crispy, you know, on my steaks. I wanted to be able to, you know, get in that seven, eight hundred, even a thousand degrees if you want. But I actually more cooked my steaks probably in the seven hundred to eight hundred degree range. You know, on searing, you know that kind of deal. I like the idea of, of that that fat hitting that flame tamer and turning back into the smoke like a like a gas grill does, and getting that added flavor besides the wood that's going on in there. Um, I mean, all that stuff is, is was very important to me when I was thinking about the feature uh, of a grill and uh, why do people grill and and what I wanted out of a grill and what I enjoyed out of a grill. So that's that's why I did that. Ed Morin joining me here on the show. We're just talking about some uh, random barbecue topics here. Uh, before I let you go, Ed, uh, do you have any thoughts about where the Barbecue Hall of Fame kind of sits right now? I mean, it used to be that really weird online thing only, and then it was you know sold out to the barbecue or uh, to uh, the American Royal. And uh, I don't know if there's a, an actual brick and mortar thing yet, or if that's in the process. But they're inducting people every year. Do you have any thoughts about the process and who's in or who isn't or how that whole thing works? I'm I'm really glad you brought that up. Sure. Beca- because Monday <laughs> we have a meeting and we'll be discussing uh, some of the things uh, exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I think uh, – and it, it actually drives me crazy a little bit about it. I'd like to see it. You know, I'd like to see it grow more than where what it's doing. Um, but it also, I like to, you know the industry needs to get more involved out there, um, other than just maybe some food bloggers and writers um, that have done a little bit recently. Uh, the amount of people that have been sent in for um, 
uh, you know, to become Hall of Fame famers, uh, I was very disappointed in this year. I was I was extremely disappointed in the amount of um, people that wrote up folks to get them in, um, and we're going to have a discussion about a lot of that. I'd like to see the whole thing kind of change. Uh, I don't know. I mean, now that it's owned by a private entity and they get to control and call the shots and that office changes down there too. Uh, they have a new head this year, <coughs> um, of the Royal and they, they make decisions based upon, um, things other than what the industry I think is concerned about. And, um, we'll see, we'll see what goes on. I got involved in the off-road hall of fame because of my Larry Raglan connection this year. And, um, Roy Ward actually was one of the 20 people that was set in the hall of fame voting this year. And I'm going to tell you what, man, I thought that was the coolest thing when he come back and I talked to him for about an hour and a half of exactly how they did things. Yeah. And I was totally impressed because barbecue is very similar. I mean, you think of off-roading, okay? I mean, there's all kinds of segments of off-roading. There's all kinds of segments of barbecue. Sure. I mean, the, the the how it overlapped and how they went about and how they did it, they take five, but they don't try to just say it's certain segment, okay? They take five from the whole – and it doesn't have to be one of each segment. It can It's just five individuals. But the none, and I also liked about the deal. None of the Hall of Famers got to vote. Neither. This is one of the things I think is disappointing about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. It's a little clickish. Little. I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I'm with you, bud. Uh, you. <laughs> and I like the idea that the industry that people have to come sit down and listen. It took eight and a half hours to do the off-road Hall of Fame meeting, and there's 20 people in a room, and it was by invitation only. They had to go to Las Vegas to listen to it and uh, and, and to pound it out, and only five board members were sitting in on that meeting, and 15 were others from around the industry. I like that. I like the idea of how they did that. And it wasn't just write up a paragraph and send it out to people who have no idea what they're reading, and the paragraph was prepared by somebody else. I like for them to have to sit down there. Everybody's got to listen and chat and, and and talk around the industry about, you know, From I liked how, how it went, and I'm going to present a lot of that Monday down there, and I'd like to see them make a big change in how it's done personally. Do you do you think, and I've talked to, uh, uh, for instance, Daniel Vaughn uh, from Texas Monthly who said, you know, initially – he would have liked to have seen a big swath of people go in instead of, you know, like three or four uh, initially or three. And then, you know, once you – and whatever that num- that initial number is, now you have a base and then you can go but, – but eliminate the categories, as you said, and then you have a big base to build from it and you start putting people in from there. When you have the categories, I mean, you're almost obligated to have to – I mean – uh, Artie Davis is great for barbecue, but I don't know if he's a celebrity. I mean, I'm sure he's a humanitarian, but I could make a case that everybody's a humanitarian in some form or fashion. I think Chris Lilly's probably too young to go into the Barbecue Hall of Fame, even though he wins, you know, uh, a, a lot of stuff, and he's a four-time Memphis May wor- uh, world champion. But, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of weird. I was asking Ray Lampy, I was like, 
Doesn't it seem odd that Chris Lilly is going into the Barbecue Hall of Fame? And, I mean, Ray's in the Barbecue Hall of Fame and Myron. And, uh, I mean, it, why why aren't you in the barbecue? I mean, it, it's, it's like a crazy thing that's going on. But so utopian-wise, like, how do you pick somebody to go in the Barbecue Hall of Fame? Like, do you have to be out for a certain period of time like you do in sports? Or you just talk about it? Or you get these recommendation letters and people that make the most persuasive argument win? Like, how do you see it going in your society? Well, you, you know, the nominations, I mean, rightfully, I'll, I'll, you know, I've been, this is my, I've been in there three years on the, on, on the board or in the committee. I'm not on the board. I would say I'm on the committee and I've been written up for the last three years and, and have excluded myself because I'm not going to be on the committee and, and have my name <laughs> on the table. Okay. So, um, I, I'm trying to help direct and I want to see it, you know, go, I'm going to tell you right now, this will be my last year. I, you know, I feel like three years is enough of a commitment, you know, to try to help, you know, something, you know, move and, and maybe we, maybe something can, can go on. Um, I, and, and that's another thing too. They haven't, the American Royal has not gone around and investigated and looked at other entities. These people are, they put on horse riding events. They put on, you know, uh, grading pig events. They, yeah. they, they put on events, you know, livestock events. And this, the food of this is, this one food event is so totally different than anything else that they do down there. And I really wish that they would, they would invest in this. And I'm very disappointed. I don't feel like they've made the investment in this in time and effort because you have that revolving door down there of personnel of, you know, coming in there to do things. And I just don't see the, you know, the commitment level I'd like to see put into a real hall of fame. Ed Morin joining me here on the show, a pellicooker.com, his website, if you want to check it out. And if you're in the restaurant business and you're looking for uh, pellet cooker advice or to buy or whatever, I mean, you know, he's the man. Eddie, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming on, the candor, and we got to do it again sooner than later. This was far too long in between. Okay, man. You just you just watch that tweeting, you know. I will. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. All right, there he is, Ed Martin. Fast Eddie. Come on. By the way, he's a racer in case you didn't know it. Yeah, he just said it. Very successful. He won it by two hours. All right, folks, if you didn't know, Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue, the number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world. Big Papa Smokers features a wide selection of American-made grill smokers, such as the Old Hickory ASBP, the Gateway Drum Smoker, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has also made a name for itself in recent years by crafting an award-winning line of championship rubs. From flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending, their rubs have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition. Period. Don't think that they can be pigeonholed in competitive barbecue either. BPS have become so well-known, their rubs that is, they've been picked up by a nationwide restaurant chain called BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. Four of the nine rubs are on their permanent menu. BPS rubs have proven to be a great addition to anyone's pantry Big Papa is also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. We're basically redefining the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. That's what those two are doing. They also have the online meat locker, shipping Snake River Farms meats right to your door, the Kobe beef, the Caribou to pork, Double R Ranch meats. 
Big Papa's Meat Locker has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. And they've also created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country, working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that they've been able to do all of this with only about six years of being in the biz, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. We're back to wrap right after this. Stick around. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made in the USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. To find products from Unknown Smoker Accessories, keep your gear where it needs to be at arm's length, ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop. Enter promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, to get 10% off your entire order. You're welcome for that. Again, that's unknownbbq.com slash shop. REMPE for the promo code to get 10% off your entire order. Check out their foil dispensers and those spice racks. I mean, those things are phenomenal. Handmade in the USA, right there in Florida, Imperial Polk County. All right, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. He's opening up a restaurant in the Tampa-St. Pete area. They're still debating where. Potentially by the end of the year, I'm calling first quarter next year. At 9.35, we talk with Mike McLeod, MMA Creatives CEO and president, also the creator of World Food Championships. Don't forget World Food Championships. Coup de Gras will be uh, Saturday at 10. Watch Lauren Hill take it all from the rest of the World Food Championship contestants. In the second hour, we talked with Ed Morin, Fast Eddie, pelletcooker.com, cookshack.com. Always good to catch up with Eddie. All right. Big show planned for next week, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.